Hey, I'm Stephen Povatter, the lead minister at Central Church of Christ in Little Rock, Arkansas. Our goal as a church is to follow Jesus together. So we gather on Sunday mornings for Bible study at 9 a.m. and worship at 10:15 a.m. And you'd always be welcome to join us. To learn more, go to arcentralchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon. Your identity is not based on what you do. What you produce. And trust and depend on him like nobody else, always and constantly. Because of that, you can live this life right now appreciating all that we need to enjoy life. Can you hear me? In and out. Oh, my glasses are too. Mary, can you hear me? Is there a problem with me? There we go. Now we're doing. I'll just stand like this the whole time and not move. Well, I'll just get a microphone off the stand and do that. Before I get to the... Um, talking about sabbatical and, and Sabbath day, which we do today. Now it's working. That's great. Oh, by the way, Stephen's been doing this great series, great stuff. And each week we have one word. And it's been a unique word. So today we're talking about Sabbath. So our word for the day is Sabbathing. What we do as a church is Sabbathing, and we'll unpack that in a little bit. Before we get there, I have some business I've been wanting to ask you about. Did anybody get a nasty communion cup this morning? You did? You did? Some of you all complained that they're like 90 proof, or, or maybe like they were actually from the first century, the actual Last Supper. We actually threw out all of them um, yesterday, with the exception of those upstairs. I forgot about those. So you all have the, the really old vintage. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep working on that there. That was a part of, of getting ready for sabbaticals, buying enough stuff ahead of time so that we wouldn't run out of communion stuff before it got here. And uh, we're learning now about refrigeration and expiration dates and all sorts of things. So we'll get that worked out. So one of the wonderful things that Stephen brought to us at Central Church is something called follow-through. We've been talking about doing sabbatical kinds of things for decades now, and he brought the idea of, in, let's just do that finally. And so sabbatical, since I'm the oldest guy on staff, the elder said, hey, we'll let you do it. You go first, see what it's like. So I got six weeks off, and the task was go relax, go rejuvenate, go re recreate, recreate. And as a part of it, maybe a couple of weeks of there, do some research. Find some things that you're interested in that would benefit you as you grow and relax and research and all that stuff that would also be a benefit to the church here. And bring that back and, and share that, you know, in a one setting, but also over, over a, a period of time. So I prayed about it for a while, uh, leading up to that time. And for whatever reason, God kept putting the idea of Sabbath in front of me over and over again. And I had to argue with God because, you know, why would I do that? We're under the Spirit. We're under grace. We're under the law. We don't follow the Ten Commandments. You know, that's number four and Ten Commandments. And number four, a list of 613. What, that's a weird thing. Later, he revealed to me why I should study it. And we'll get into that in a minute or two. But Sabbath was the word uh, that was stuck in my head. So what did I do during those six weeks? Man, some of y'all who had found out about what I was doing uh, all over the place, I had such pressure to really recreate 
and to really rest. It's kind of like when you go to a concert one of your favorite bands and they don't play any of their old favorites. Like, hey, we want to play all the new cuts off our latest album. You're like, ah, I don't know about that. So when I told people what I was going to do, they were like, oh, how disappointing. Because I read ahead of time what a Sabbath day was like. I thought, I'm going to learn to practice what they did. And uh, what they did was, we'll get into in a minute, they stayed home and didn't do much of anything. And so I practiced for six weeks staying home, doing the normal things you normally do, and learning what it is like to rest where you are. You've seen that quote, that meme that says, instead of trying to you know, live a life out there, instead of looking forward to your next vacation, live a life, create a life that you don't have to escape from. And that's kind of the heart and soul of what Sabbath is about. So for six weeks, I did boring things. Got up early every morning, made breakfast for the family, made lunches for the family, uh, took my son to Central High School, dropped him off, picked him up every afternoon, did the normal things. And in the middle of all that, Lord, what's it mean to rest in the middle of just regular stuff? Read a lot of books, burned a lot of incense. And by incense, I mean really incense, not weed, as some people have asked me about that. Um, I wanted to have some smoke, some ambient, some fire type stuff, and uh, it was too hot for a fire, so I instead it just burned a lot of incense. My neighbors were really confused about that. But did a lot of reading, just tons of reading, uh, more than I would normally do. But two books I would recommend if you want to know books. This one is called When I Relax, I Feel Guilty. Discover the wonder and joy of really living. If you haven't read something like that before, this is pretty good. The one I relax, I feel guilty. And the other one was by Catherine May. It's called Wintering. She's a British author. Great stuff. Just some good top of the list of things that were, were important there. Spent a lot of time with people who are not members of the church of any sort. So I wanted to spend some time getting to know from their point of view, what do you see when you look at us? You know, are we attractive? Are we exciting? And some of the stuff I heard was not so great. And they weren't trying to be mean. They were just saying, this is what we see all the time. And so it was interesting just to spend some time with folks like that. Spent some extra time with family, unpacking life, uh, just a whole bunch of other stuff. But basically just being home, reading, and being quiet, attempting to do what the Sabbath is described as in the Scripture. So Sabbathing, what is Sabbath? What is Sabbathing? So my, my weird thing was, well, God, why, why in the world would you want me to study Sabbath? It's the fourth commandment in a list of the ten big ones, four in the list of 613. You know, there's, there's just one God, nobody else. Don't have idols. Don't take his name in vain. And then he says, take a day off. Rest. And then he gets to things like murder and stealing and you know, adultery. You'd think that that would drop further down into the list there, but no, it's pretty important. Why would they need to have, as Hebrews leaving this country that they were leaving, why would they need to learn not just who God is and not what to do, not, not to do with each other, but also to rest? Keep in mind that they had lived hundreds of years in slavery. Started off good in Egypt, but as time went by, the new kings, the new pharaohs did not know them did not appreciate them, began to fear them, and turned them into slaves. 
So for 400 years as a people, their identity was in what they did all the time. Their lives were controlled by people who had weapons and who could use them and who would end your life if you didn't work hard. And when Moses shows up on God's behalf and says, let my people go, the Pharaoh makes it even harder. You all been making bricks before as slaves. Now you can make them and you can go find your own ingredients to make them with. We'll make it even harder. So they had left a very difficult time, hundreds of years as slaves in a pagan culture. All the, not Roman, but all the Egyptian gods, the sun god, the river god, all the gods that they had to watch their neighbors worship and sacrifice to all the time. And so God takes them out into the desert to begin a journey and to begin making a new people. And for whatever reason, he gives them this fourth commandment of rest and reflect. It reminds me a little bit of, uh, I guess it was almost a week ago, two weeks ago, we got back from um, North Carolina or South Carolina. My son, my middle child, uh, just finished boot camp. And so from the drive from uh, Columbia, South Carolina, back to Nashville, where he flew back to Los Angeles, we had lots of talking about what boot camp was like. People from all over the country, all genders, all skin colors, all heights, all different kinds of intelligences. He said there were some people there that were definitely special ed, for sure. And he said there were some people there that were brilliant and must have had an amazing IQ, but they, did, they played it down. They didn't let you know that they knew. All sorts of people. And you get into a room and they cut all your hair off, they take all your clothes off of you, not in front of each other, they do all this crazy stuff, give you new stuff, and then you spend 10 weeks working out like a dog. Push-ups, sit-ups, all sorts of things. Learning new ways of thinking, new ways of talking, uh, new ways of eating. You get to do some fun stuff, too. You get to shoot guns, throw hand grenades, and all sorts of cool stuff like that. But he said you were on a new schedule to the point that you didn't think about it anymore. This is who you are. This is your life. And he said, you know, it's a terrible time. So glad to get away from it, but I'd like to go back to it right now. Uh, and he, he'll have a few weeks before he goes off to officer candidate school. But nonetheless, it was an amazing thing. It made me think about what the Egyptians have got, or the uh, Israelites had gone through, that they had been taken from Egypt and made into a new people. God gives them a whole list of new things to do. One very important thing, which is the fourth commandment, which is the Sabbath. God says, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Uh, what does that mean? Holy is often one of those words that we church, we churchify. How do you define holy? Well, holy means it's sacred. Well, what does sacred mean? Well, you know, it's, it's untouchable. It's one of those things we, we feel feelings about, and we, oh, we breathe, we talk low, and we, you know, it's one of those holy things. We kind of go in a circle, we don't describe exactly what it means, but holy in the scriptures, especially back then, meant set apart or different, not holy like, you know, like the guest soaps you have in your bathroom at home and the guest towels. Like if you ever use those, your, your wife comes and slaps your hands and says, don't, don't use those soaps and towels. Those aren't for you. Those are for the guests. And the guests never use them either, by the way, just so you know. So holy means set apart. So God says, keep this day holy, keep it separate. And I want you to do something special on that day. And when we do that, we honor what God did, actually. On the seventh day, if you remember the story of creation, 
uh, God rested from his labor. He made all these amazing things, said it's good, and then he rested. The word rest there doesn't mean that God was tired, he needed to take a nap. The word actually means he came to a full stop and I had finished creating. I am done creating and we're, we're done. I'm personally making a choice to stop and this is the end of creation. I'm going to rest. And that's what he said. I want you to keep this for the rest of your lives. You're going to do this. You're going to honor the Sabbath day and you're going to keep it holy. And what happened on the Sabbath day? If you remember back, what happened on the Sabbath day? I, I did an informal poll amongst our own members and then some other folks out there in the world and social media and actually just some folks face-to-face. -face. What's the Sabbath day? The number one thing I heard from people was the Passover, as if every Friday night all the Hebrews celebrated Passover. No, they had taco night, just like anybody else. The Sabbath day wasn't always Passover. They didn't always have a lamb and bitter herbs. It was just a night. So the Hebrews, when they practiced Sabbath, what it meant was when Friday evening comes around and it's dusk or dark, Sabbath is beginning. That's the beginning of the new day. And so from dusk on Friday night till dusk on Saturday night, that is Sabbath. And you go home and you go inside and you have all your food, you have all your drink, you have everything prepared that you need for a whole day in your house. And you go home and you sit inside and you do nothing. You just eat the food that you've got. You hang out with the family that you've got there. You're not even supposed to start a fire, actually, if you go back to the original time of it. Now, over time, the Hebrews began to extrapolate some things that they could do. And they said, you know, you can walk a little ways from your home. You know, you're not supposed to, but maybe, maybe you can do a Sabbath day walk. You can do like a half a mile. So if you go to a modern Jewish community today, like in New York City or other large places, and there's a large place where lots of folks who are practicing Jews live, they'll have markers around the city of this is how far it is you can walk from your home to make it happen. So they began to stretch out what Sabbath was. But the core of what Sabbath was, was just go home and be there with your family, with your food that's already been prepared, and just be together. They've done this for millennia without internet. It's hard to imagine what do you do with all that time that you have with each other. How many of y'all, when you're at home with your family, enjoy just being with your family? You can raise your hand. How many of y'all find, you know, it's great for like a half hour, and then you're like, someone get me out of here. The Lord can return now. Those kinds of things. Yeah. So, so God intentionally put into the lives of his people this practice called Sabbath because they needed to learn how to have rhythm in their life, how to be together with each other, and how to appreciate all the things that God had been blessing them with already and to prepare them for the blessings that they were going to get through all these things here. So, on purpose, stop, rest, and reflect. So I got three things out of it I'm going to share with you. Uh, three things, real basic stuff. You can probably guess it before I even said it. But three things that God probably wanted them to get as they practiced Sabbath together, as they sat at home and ate and thought back on their history of 400 years of slavery, leaving all that, all those plagues, and then spending 40 years in the desert before they become a kingdom, all those things. First thing is basically... Our identity with God is not based on what we do, not based on our productivity. We, as Americans, have a hard time with this. Some people have a hard time separating themselves from their work 
from their job were people pleasers. Instead of having more free time to relax and enjoy, we fill up all of our free time with more things. And so our identity becomes who we are and what we do. And if we're not doing it enough, let's do some more. And God wanted them to know that their identity with him was because he wanted them to be his people. He didn't come get them out of Egypt because they had been so good. He came because that they were in a hard situation and they needed rescue. And they were crying out. He says, I'm going to come get you. And you're my people. And I want you to think about that and know that. Unlike the Egyptian gods who had to be placated and sacrificed to and worshipped all the time in order to produce for them, God says, I'm going to make all these things and just give them to you. You're my people because I want it to be that way. That is your identity. It's not because of what you do for me. It's not the sacrifices. It's because of who I want you to be. It's kind of tough sometimes to be quiet in front of God. Like the song we just sang, Lord, I want to quiet my soul. Remember that time that Peter is up on the mountain with James and John and Jesus is up there and the bright clouds come out there and suddenly Jesus is lit up like a, you know, like a candle in front of them figure that says, and suddenly two very prominent characters from the Old Testament show up, a, a prophet and Moses himself, the giver of the law and the prophets. And Peter is just beside himself. He is like, you know, you got to do something here to show God that we're excited about him. Hey, Lord, this is, let us make three shelters or three altars for you, one for you, one for Elijah, one for Moses. And, and God himself shows up and says, this is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. And the cloud rolls away, and it's just Jesus. One of the things God wants us to do is to connect with him and let him connect with us. So one of the things I got was you and I, our identity is not based on what we do, our productivity, church productivity, family productivity, how good you are, how not bad you are. God loves you because of what he's decided, and that's it. Second thing, God wants us to trust and depend on him. One of the reasons they did Sabbath was God wanted them to see that they didn't have to work all the time, didn't have to produce things all the time. They could actually follow the system he had made for them. He would take care of them. So on the Sabbath day, the seventh day, you're not supposed to cook. So God provided this stuff called manna, and apparently in the original language it means what is it. It was some food that just showed up every morning. In the dew of the earth, there was this bread-looking stuff that was come out of the ground. And they were told every day, eat as much of that as you want to. You can take as much as an ephod, which apparently is like three pounds. Ephod, I don't think it's for the metric system, but nonetheless, you can go do the math yourself later on. So you and your family get about three pounds of, of manna each to take inside, and you eat it that day. And if you tried to keep it overnight and eat it the next day, it got all wormy and smelly, and you couldn't eat it. And God said, trust me, day by day, I will provide for you what you need. So just eat those things. But on Friday, on Friday specifically, there will be a double portion of manna, and you can keep enough to keep, keep you fed through Saturday, through Sabbath day. And sure enough, there was a double amount on Friday. They could save it up, and it was there. So God wanted them to learn through that that they can trust him. They can depend on him, not just with that, but just with anything. Take him at his word that he's going to do it. He will provide what you need, what I need. Now, that's the hard part, though, I think, for us, is that he provides what we need, not necessarily what we want. And sometimes we get those two things confused. 
But God definitely always provides what we need. Third thing, third thing is he wants us to learn to reflect and enjoy our blessings. Over in Hebrews 4, the writer says, hey, the Sabbath rest is already available for you. You just got to enter in it. Just, just trust him that you don't have to do anything. You can enter into that rest already. Over in 2 Timothy 6, Paul says, God's already given us all that we need for our enjoyment. 2 Peter 1, he's already given us all that we need for life and godliness. You're not missing anything. If anything, pray for the Lord to show you what you haven't laid eyes on yet because you just don't have the eyes to see it. You have all of those things. So for 24 hours, at least some of that time, you got to spend some time sitting around as a Hebrew, thinking back over all the stuff that God has led you and your people through, all the amazing blessings you have, all the food, all the protection, all the times that you could have had your country over, right? But he stepped in and sent in some amazing things and saved your tail. Just spending some time day after, week after week, thinking through who God is, who you are in him, and the fact that he is blessing you beyond possible understanding. So a big part of what I did was make a list of things I'm blessed with. I'm going to bore you to death by reading some of the things I'm blessed with and what it did to my heart. One thing was home. I just enjoyed being in my home and sitting around the crazy, looking around and thinking, I have this home. I own this home. Well, actually, the bank owns the home. But nonetheless, I have a home. Four walls. And there's a fireplace if I wanted to start a fire in it. It's got two levels. If I had known better, I would have bought a single level since I'm getting old. My knees don't work well. But nonetheless, I've got a house. Food. I enjoyed food. Just trying some different things. Um, I had this bad habit early on in life of eating as fast as I possibly could all the time. I'd go out with people for lunch in a place, and by the time they had put their napkin on their lap, I was finished with what I had, you know, basically. So I had to learn over time, and especially during the Sabbath time, sabbatical time, to just slow down and enjoy the things that God gives you, both just some basic black coffee and maybe a burger from the root or Larry's Pizza. Or Wright's Barbecue, just a little plug. Wright's Barbecue is really, really good. But their lines are really long usually, so you got to get there early. Transportation. Over and over again, I was blown away by the fact that I'm sitting on a highway, going down the highway at 75 miles an hour in a comfortable chair, listening to music you like, with cool air blowing in my face. I know we take a lot of stuff for granted, but that's just amazing to think that we have all those things available to us. Complete forgiveness, just sat for a day as a time of thinking about how much I don't have to worry about sin. He's not counting them against us, as over in Second Corinthians 5. He lives within me. He's always guiding me. He's not in a hurry. That's something that blew me away, because I'm always thinking God's in a hurry. But he's not in a hurry in the least bit. Uh, entertainment, time with drop-off and pick-up with my son over, over at Central High. So this is his first year at Central High. And so every day I drop him off. School starts at about 9 o'clock, something like that. Ends at 4. So i got to schedule things around that. But it's so cool to just pull up there and watch kids from all backgrounds, all ages. And I'm not one to just sit there. I, I like to make up backstories for everybody I see. So I'm making up backstories for these kids who are dressed so differently from each other. So when I drop off and pick up, you see some of the same ones over and over again. I've got some great stories to tell you, but I won't tell them today. But, but to spend time thinking about those kids and praying for them, 
Lord, be with that kid. He, he looks like he needs some help. Really need just just observing the things around and being able to perhaps more clearly than normal because I was slowing down and reflecting, just seeing the world through God's eyes, seeing basic everyday things that way. My wife and my kids are amazing. That was something I just got to sit back and watch. Just amazing. Just, I know you don't know them very well, but I do, and they're pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing stuff. Um, good growth is slow and non-emotional. I discovered through all this time that you know, lots of my church faith stuff was for years tied to emotion. You need to get whipped up into a frenzy, feel something all the time. But faith is just trusting that what God has said is true and going with it. Just going with it. And just loving that you know, life isn't linear, that life is cyclical. There are things in life that aren't just always A, B, C, D. You do this, this is going to happen. There's, there's, there's a rhythm that's flexible. I learned to appreciate just odd situations. Like, uh, I think it was three weeks ago, our dog fell off the roof. And uh, I'm out in the garage putting some paint stuff back. We'd finished painting a door. And I was putting stuff away, and I noticed, I turned around, the garage door was open, I noticed my dog, the white one we've got. We've got two dogs. The big white one comes walking in the door, and she's got a look on her face like, oh, that shouldn't have happened. And she's got dirt and leaves on her back. And so I, usually if she's outside, she's down the street and gone. But she came back in the house on her own, tail tucked between her legs. And so I hear at that point my son and his two friends upstairs in the bedroom hollering and then running down the stairs. And like, what's going on? The fair, her, her name's Fair after Fair Fawcett. Yes. Um, she just came running back in the house. What's up with that? And and he's got a screen out in his window in his room that's out. We had it out for some different reasons. And if you leave that, that window open, she just likes to just walk out there on the roof. And so we often make sure that it's closed so she doesn't walk out there on the roof. Well, they were in there playing video games and doing some stuff. And then she, they didn't see him, her disappear behind him. He just walked out on the roof. And when they did see her, they all stood up and hollered, Farah, and yelled at her. And, of course, she didn't take that as come back in the house. She took it as run. And so she runs over the roof and falls off the roof. It's about 10-foot drop. But fortunately, about six, seven feet under the roof is a big one of those, you know, those sticky thorn bushes, the hedges. It's one of those. So she landed kind of soft, kind of not soft, and rolled onto the ground, we think. There's no video evidence of any of this. Nonetheless, you know, at first my heart rate jumped. And the boys look on their face. It was all like, oh, no, we're going to be in trouble for this. But like, almost immediately, it was like God was like, how about that? Yeah. Yeah, that's just, just enjoy this situation in life. Don't be all upset, up in your feelings. Don't be thinking about math and what could go wrong? Just enjoy the moments that you've got. God gave us Sabbath in the Old Testament. We don't follow it anymore, once again, not under the old law, but the idea is there. You see it all through the New Testament. Paul talks about having to have learned contentment himself. Think about the good things in life. If there's anything good, worthy, noble, excellent, praiseworthy, think about these things. So all through the new covenant, we have reminders. It's important for us as believers, individually and as a group, to share times of rest, true rest and reflection 
on all the good things that God has given us. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life, have it to the full. I'm the good shepherd, I'm the gate. And he means that. We can trust that. The part of it is just simply spending time recognizing that he is God and we can trust him. And it's going to be good, not just here and now, but also in eternity. Wednesday night's coming up here in 2024. We'll have some other stuff based on what I did during Sabbath, but uh, that's enough for this morning. Thank you for your time. The Lord bless you and keep you.